As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. I'm sure I'm not the first to feel this way, but I'll admit here that parenting was very surprising for me. Now, I grew up in a big family. I babysat the entire neighborhood all growing up as well. I was a mentor to kids. I became a teacher. I had a lot of experience with children in general and, you know, with teaching, but parenthood was a whole different ballgame for me. A large part of that was because my kids, at least the first few, were totally uh, born outside of a definable box. Some of them are gifted, some of them are behind in some developmental ways, some of them it's both of those within one body. It's been really tricky to figure out how to navigate their very different needs and the parenting styles they need, which also happen to be very different for each child. I know that many of your own children do not fit easy, definable molds. And by extension to that, it is difficult to know how to parent them in a unique way. And it's frustrating when you are trying to use parenting tactics that you are learning about, but they just don't work for your child. Now, I know that the positive behavior management stuff has been really helpful for me, but sometimes ignoring things as has been really helpful for many of my kids has not been good for others. My guest today, Wendy Bertinall, is a parenting expert for kids who are very unique. Now, this might be kids who are gifted. This might be kids who are very spirited. These might be kids who have very big behavioral problems. She is going to teach us how the first step is to accept your children and accept that you're doing the best you can and then move into what you can actually do to better parent these very unique children. And before I turn to our time together, I am on Wendy's new podcast today. Make sure you check that out. I have linked to it in the show notes for you and she is doing such fantastic work. I hope you check it out. I am here with Wendy Bertinall. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Welcome to the show. Can you start by giving us an introduction? 
Sure. So I am, I'm a lot of things. I'm a mom to three kids. I'm a wife. And I recently have started creating courses for parents of children with challenging behavior. So with that, I don't have an official title. I don't feel like mom expert is really a good title because I don't know that there are any experts when it comes to motherhood, but it is something that I love teaching and I love talking about. So anything involved with parenting is what I just love. Well, I'm really loving this idea of you saying, you know, there really aren't definable experts because our kids aren't necessarily definable. I mean, one method does not work for each kid. Um, And that's what you're here, though, to talk about today, about those kids who don't seem to fit in a certain box and a certain way to parent and a certain way to discipline or engage or connect with. And these can be some of the challenging children that we have in our lives. And, you know, for all the the positives that come with challenging kids, you know, maybe there's um, a lot of fire, a lot of spirit, a lot of strength in their personalities. It can also be really difficult to know how to parent them and by extension, accept them. And that's where I think you can teach us so much. So let's start um, with you talking about what these kids can look like and then dive into, and then we'll dive into more of this, this topic of how to accept them and then in turn parent them. Absolutely. Well, I want to start out by first saying that when I became a parent, I thought that I knew it all. I thought Mm. that I could deal with any behavior, right? I, I really had this idea that kids just came in different shapes and sizes, but we could deal with them all in one or two specific ways. Mm-hmm. And that came from my background in education. I have my master's degree in special education, my bachelor's degree in child development. And I just thought, according to all this research, this is how we approach kids. And it was all from a very positive standpoint and very logical and very research-based But all of that came crumbling down on me when I had my second child. Mm -hmm. And so when you ask, what does this look like? Um, It can look like a lot of things. It can look like a child who has a very strong will. It can look like a child who is really explosive. It can look like a child who um, has really intense emotions and doesn't handle transitions very well or just wears their feelings on their shoulders it can look like so many different things. And that's kind of the difficulty as well as the beauty of it. Mm. Because I think when we have kids like this, it forces us into, like you were saying, it forces us into this different state where we have to take a look internally at what we can do to support them because everything else we've been taught basically gets just knocked over and nothing else will work until we do change. And so it's, it's a really humbling process, I think. You know, when I, I was a teacher before I had my kids, so similar to you, I felt the same way. I felt really confident moving into parenthood that I'd be able to uh, mold these kids just like I molded my students. And <laughs> wow, we learn a lot quick, right? Um, oh my gosh. Like you said, the research shows a lot about positive reinforcement. And that, while that worked in the classroom, for me, I do have a child or two where 
the behavior cannot be disciplined away, nor can it be ignored away, nor can it be positively reinforced um, into what I want. <laughs> so if your kid is similar to that, what, what do we do as parents? Oh, I love that question. And it's so good. One of the things that I love to teach parents is that behavior is like a weed and we all have weeds in our yards. And so we know how this works, right? Mm. So the tip of the weed is, you know, that flower part where everybody can see it. That's like the behavior that we're seeing. That's the screaming or that's the whining or the and that's the easiest to try to address because it's visible and it's out there for everybody to see. But we all know that if we just chop off the top of the weed, it keeps coming back, right? Yes. <laughs> and that's basically what those parenting strategies are doing is it's just addressing the top of the weed. So some parenting strategies will teach you to go a little bit deeper and they'll say, okay, address the trigger or the stem. What caused it to happen? You know, was it you telling your child no? Okay, well, then you either need to tell your child no more often so they get used to it, or you need to find a different route. So you're bending over backwards, trying all these things, but again, you're just addressing the stem. And when you're just addressing the stem, mowing down that weed, sure, it'll go away for a little bit, but it's not a long-term solution. So we have to dig deeper and we have to get to the roots and we have to say, why are these behaviors happening? And I like to, in the world, according to Wendy, (laughs) I like to teach people that behavior stems from four different roots. It's power, predictability, skills, or sensory. And it's one of those four things that we can always draw it back to, you know, as a child needing more power, do they feel like they're constantly being commanded and demanded to do everything? They just need to feel a little bit more power in their life. Or maybe it's predictability. Maybe they just need to know what's happening and when it's happening. Maybe it's a skill that they need to acquire. A lot of kids don't have the skill of being able to deal with disappointment or the skill of being able to problem solve or whatever these complex skills are, they just don't have them. They just need to be taught or sensory. And that sounds like a really scary thing, but it's really not. And it's something we all have a sensory system. We all have eight senses and understanding those senses and the needs that the body has helps us to understand some of the reactions that come from the sensory system being dysregulated. I think each of my four kids so far, I mean, fall into at least one of those categories, some of them too. And maybe you can start by repeating those four things for us one more time. And then tell us, is one of those more prevalent and particularly challenging children, or is it pretty equal across the board, would you say? That's a really good question. I feel like some behaviors come from all four roots, and some Mm -hmm. behaviors are really stemmed in the sensory aspect. Um, I think a lot of times, a lot of behaviors are rooted in the sensory aspect and we just don't understand it because we haven't been taught enough about the sensory system and how it works. But things like, um, when you have a child who's a really, really particular eater, for example, um, that could be a sensory thing. Maybe their body doesn't like the feeling of the food that's going in their mouth. Um, maybe their body doesn't like the smell. Maybe they have a really low tolerance for the taste or the flavors. Those are things that are very, very common in picky eaters and won't go away if we just force our kids to eat more things, right? (laughs) Or make them, make them stay at the dinner table until they're done eating. Um, 
those don't go away. And so I would say to answer your question, Monica, it's really a combination of all four of the things. And it just depends on the child and it depends on the situation, but all of them can be addressed at the same time. Really? Okay. Well, then how does that work? How how are we able to sort out what this root is? I mean, because they are children, you can't have them lie down um, on a, on a, a sofa and spill their heart out and get to the root of it that way. So they're a little bit trickier. How do do we figure it out? So a lot of times what I like to do is just start by covering the basics. It's really easy to give a child power and it's really easy to give them predictability so much more than it is to teach them skills or really uncover their sensory system, right? Oh, I love that idea. Okay. Continue. So we start with the easiest first and giving them power would look like changing our commands and demands to questions and just giving not two options, but really open-ended options. So instead of saying, Hey, go brush your teeth. We can say, Hey, hey it's bedtime. What do you want to do first before I come and snuggle with you or read your books? Um, rather than saying, Hey, go get your shoes on. We have to go to the store. We can say, Hey, we're going to the store in five minutes. What do you need to do to get ready? I'm going to go get another pair of shoes on and I'm going to brush my hair really quick. What would you like to do? Just Hmm. things like that. So we're giving our child the opportunity to start, first of all, problem solving for themselves, which covers one of the skills that they need to learn. And also giving them the power of constantly having to just and fight against it. Yes. Let's be honest, that's what happens more often than not, right? Yeah. So um, asking questions is a huge one, and I love starting out with that. And then predictability just comes in telling I like to, what I like to do is just lay down with my kids at nighttime and talk about the day ahead or talk about the week ahead, just really giving an overview of what's going to happen so they have some general sense of what's going on. I think as adults, we really miss this concept because we know the schedule and we know what's happening in our heads. We know how long we're going to stay at the grocery store. For example, when we go to the grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. We have a general idea of what we're going to get, how long it's going to take and, and all of those things. But kids, they're just told to get in the car and that we're going to go to the grocery store. They don't know if it's going to take five minutes or if it's going to take 45 minutes. And that's a big difference, right? If someone were to take me somewhere and make me spend an hour doing whatever they wanted without telling me, I'd be a little taken off guard, you know? Mm-hmm. So giving the kids the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to make a big grocery shopping trip today. I really don't want to buy you any candy or treats or anything like that, but I'll let you pick out a certain fruit that you want. What kind of fruit do you think you'll have while you're there? And what can you do to help me while we're doing this grocery shopping trip? So it's a little bit easier. Just things like that, talking through it ahead of time so we can work through the kinks. That's usually a a pretty successful way of minimizing the behaviors that are going to come. Let's take a little break here. This is going to be my last reminder for a while about my brand new progress program. It starts November 1st. It's a small group coaching program for growth for women who need help progressing in their lives again, whether that means women who are caught up in their responsibilities and they don't know how to even work on their own development, women who aren't sure of their own gifts, women who feel stuck in their own progress in their lives, women who feel caught up in perfectionism or procrastination. I have been both. 
I will be your coach. And with only five to 10 women per group, we will be trained on something new each week. We will meet for an hour and then we'll do live coaching. This is going to be amazing. I am so excited. I have been planning it and working on it for eight months, and I know it's going to change lives. Like I said, the doors for application are going to be closed on the 31st at midnight. So if you are listening to this podcast, the day it airs on Tuesday, I hope you hurry and check that out on my website aboutprogress.com and click on progress program to learn a lot more as well as to apply. And if you have any questions, do not hesitate to to reach out to me. You can do so on Instagram through direct messages, or you can email me at packerprogress at gmail.com. The doors will not be open for application again until either late November or December, depending on the needs we have. Let's get back to my interview with Wendy. You know, I'm imagining some parents who are listening to this and they're just thinking that sounds amazing, but it also sounds really hard to to do um when we're so stuck in the you know kind of the fight or flight of parenting like get on your shoes running into the car now 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 just that urgency so it does seem like it plan it takes some planning ahead but I would like you to make the case for how planning ahead and thinking ahead and taking this time to um give them opportunities to make their own choices and to have to make sure the, the world is predictable for them will, in the end, save both time and frustration. Yes. And I love that you can play devil's advocate because that's exactly what it is, right? Mm. We're so used to doing what we've done and we're so used to being in our habits because that's the way we were taught, right? When we were growing up, we didn't get to have a voice as much as our kids do today. And giving our kids a voice is really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So hard, but, um, taking the time. Yes, you're absolutely right. Taking the time to do it is so beneficial. I've heard so many people will come to me and they'll say, Oh my gosh, it takes us 20 minutes to get out the door because I'm constantly having to nag my kids and remind them and take them through every step of the process and then fighting them to get their seatbelt on. And it's just so exhausting. Right. (laughs) So the thing is, is when we can take a step back and take an extra five minutes ahead of time to prevent this 20 minute, um, power struggle or meltdown or frustrating trip to the store, it just, prevents so much of that frustration. So yes, it is hard, Monica, like you were saying, it is so hard, but it's so much easier than dealing with those behaviors. And I once heard from a mentor of mine that getting the results we want won't come from doing the things that we've always done. We've got to do things different if we want a different result. And, um, I'm all about simplicity and I'm all all about doing things that are realistic. So, you know, sometimes it's not going to work. Sometimes we're just going to have to say, we've got to get to the store now. I forgot because I've got a meeting and whatever, you know, and if we're doing that once in a great while, that's okay. If our kids are used to having a little bit of power more often, they typically tend to fight for it less often. Does that make sense? Yes, it does because their well is full. Yes. That totally makes sense to me. And I like that you're giving us grace there. You know, life is going to happen. Um, And what I see you promoting is just this attitude of curiosity. 
about trying to figure out what does work with my kid, not an attitude of this will work or this has to work, you know, the fear (laughs) behind it. It's more of let's get curious and see what is actually going to help this this kid who doesn't fall in line as easy as some others. Um, And you had two other things. Once once you've kind of worked on that power side of it, Mm -hmm. the predictability, how do you then know, okay, we got to address maybe the roots here, our skill or sensory? So once we have power and predictability down and we've kind of reformed our habits, we can, um, by process of elimination, we can say, okay, we know that it's not power. We know it's not predictability. Let's look at skills and sensory. And Dr. Ross Green is the one who came up with this concept of children lacking skills. And he says, kids do well, not when they want to, but when they can. So our job as parents is to help them so that they can do well by teaching them the skills that they need to learn. And a lot of times those skills don't come automatically. They have to be really explicitly taught, which is, I mean, that's basically what we're trying to do as parents, but I think we need to be even more explicit than most of us realize. You know, we think, oh, I'm going to teach my kid to share, so I'm going to have a lot of play dates and show them what sharing looks like. But we don't take them through the steps of what that might look like or the the process of what that might feel like to give up a toy, knowing that it might not come back or... Um, supporting our kids when they do deal with disappointment and being able to learn the skill of dealing with disappointment. We have to learn that as adults and it's hard to let our kids learn things like that, but being able to be open to the process of understanding, okay, this is a skill that my child really is lacking. Let me work on step-by-step how to teach them that or walk through them with that skill. That's where, that's where that comes in. Okay. I can see that. So it's it's more about being very intentional, just not expecting them. If I give them the the environment they need, they'll learn it. It's more of they need the environment, yes, but they need the hand ho- holding, the preparation, the walking through, the talking through, the modeling, all that. Absolutely. And the support when things support. go wrong. Yeah. You know, I think of it as like learning to ride a bike. The first time your kid gets on a bike or the first time we got on a bike, it wasn't perfect the first time around. We had to make a lot of mistakes. And in those mistakes, hopefully there was somebody by our side saying, okay, that's fine. You know, you did this, this, and this, right? Here's what else we can work on. Or I saw that you did this, this, and this, and that's so great. Here's another thing we can work on. And that's exactly how it is with emotional skills too. You know, wow. Sometimes we don't always deal with disappointment in the most graceful way (laughs) and that's okay. And our kids aren't either, but giving them that grace and that support to say, Hey, you know, that was really frustrating to you. I can see that. How else could we have responded to that? Or how else could we have told somebody that we were frustrated or how else could we have expressed that disappointment? Obviously we'd say that in a little bit more kid friendly way, but yeah, something along those lines. (laughs) As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so I feel like this is totally helping me already a lot with how I can identify what my kids are really needing, how it's never really about the behavior. It's about these roots. That is so empowering. Um, you, you said you have you have courses. Are they on these so someone can dive in a little deeper? Absolutely. So one of my courses is all about how to teach parents how to identify and understand the sensory needs in their child. Okay. Um, and that one is called Sensory Solutions. And I actually teach it with an occupational therapist who has a really great background in that. And that's super fun. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, it's amazing. And there are so many aha moments because, again, we all have sensory preferences and sensory needs. We just aren't aware of them because we've never really been taught them. But I love hearing from our students, you know, um, you know, we'll talk about, for example, one of the big ones is one mom came up to me one time and she was just in tears. And she said, Wendy, I feel like I am a horrible mom because I just scream at my kids when they get loud. She said, it's not even when they get loud, like, like they're fighting or anything. It's like loud, like they're squealing because they're happy, but I can't handle it. I physically can't handle it. And so I mm. scream at them and I feel horrible. And she was literally in tears, just feeling like the worst mom. And I said, you know what? It's because your ears can't handle it. It's yeah. not you. It's not anything wrong with you. It's your ears are really sensitive to noise. And she just had the huge sigh of relief thinking, mm. oh my gosh, it's not me. I'm not broken. It's that my ears are very sensitive. And now she knows how to deal with it. My goodness. And that's really empowering both for adults, right? Yes. That is a really fun course to teach. And the other one that I teach is called Parenting Outside the Lines, where we address behavior that exists outside the lines. And we go over all four roots of behavior and we talk specifically about each one and how to address each one um, per week. And that's a really great one too. All right, Wendy, you are on this podcast for me. I am 100% convinced. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm absolutely going to get these courses. Um, we, we still have more to talk about, so I'll just tell the listeners that I will link to those in the show notes. And whenever I have someone on um, that's like you, and I'm like, oh, I need all of this, I pay for everything with my own money. Like I wholeheartedly mean when I say, like, I... I'm going to take these courses from you. I'm so excited for them. Now, the rest of the time, we want to talk about a big key in dealing with these kids who are outside these lines that you mentioned. And what would you say is perhaps the most important thing we can do as, as parents in approaching these children? Ooh, that's such a great question. One of the things I love to think about, and I remind myself of this constantly, Monica, because as I mentioned, I have kids who exist outside of this little parenting box that we put ourselves in. And I have a few mantras that I like to remind myself of. The first one is that I am to show up as a supporter of my kids, not to take away all their problems or fix all their problems or mold them into who I think they should be. I mm -hmm. simply... We need to just show up to support them in who they are and how they show up. 
And that's really powerful to me because it takes off that burden of feeling like my kids are a reflection of me because Mm -hmm. they're not. They're a reflection of themselves and that's how they need to be. So that's the big one for me. And the second one is that I can accept my child for the emotions that they have. I don't need to fix them. I don't need to squelch them. I don't need to do anything. But those those behaviors and those expressions of their feelings are, are what's true within them. They don't really have a filter. And so they're just expressing everything that's inside of them. And it's up to me to acknowledge and accept those as they are and not try to change or blame or shame them, which I will admit to you, (laughs) I'm not perfect in any of this. It's definitely a process. And I love that you teach this too. It's, it's progress. It's not perfection. It's not about an end destination. It's about being a little bit better today than you were yesterday. And maybe tomorrow won't be as great, but that's okay too, because it's a progress. It's a process. Definitely. And that's what we teach our kids in showing them, you know, we can make mistakes and we can push forward and trying to amend them. So, so much of what I hear you saying is this power of connecting with our children by accepting them. And that, that phrase, accepting them, I think is what I'm seeing is the most important part of what you teach. So what can this look like as, you know, since our kids like fundamentally who they are, um, it's not, we can't force change on that, um, right. unless we really want to kill this, their spirits. Um, so what does acceptance look like in action? Hmm. That's really interesting to think about and try to define, but I would say like, for instance, I picture a time when we were in the grocery store and my son, I had told them ahead of time, you know, I'd given him power, predictability, told them what we were going to get in the store, told them what we weren't going to get. And we weren't going to get Legos. And of course we passed the Lego aisle and um, he said, mom, can I please just have one? And I said, no, I told you we weren't going to, and we're not going to. And there was this massive meltdown, just big, huge Mm. tears. And instinctively, I wanted to stop it because it was embarrassing, right? I wanted to make him stop. I wanted to distract him or I wanted to threaten him so that he would stop. But in that moment, it really hit me. I don't need to stop his emotions. So I gave him a big hug and I said, I know you're, I know you're sad. I know that's really frustrating and that's okay. So I gave him a big hug and we continued to walk through the store and out the checkout line and he was crying, but it was amazing because I saw people looking at me, but I didn't feel the judgment or the, the pressure to change anything like I used to in that, huh. that moment. I supporting him to not but just support those emotions and say, you know what? That's okay, bud. I'm, you know, I have disappointment, disappointing times sometimes too. Um, and just showing up for him in that way. And that was a powerful lesson for him, I think, but I think more so for me to see that I don't have to punish or blame or stop those emotions, but we work through them together. And it's been a really great process for us. And I've learned that the more I do that, the fewer tantrums we have and the fewer meltdowns we have because he learns to trust me. He learns that it's a safe place to just express his emotions and it doesn't have to be this massive um, performance. 
It just has to be the words when he knows his words are going to be accepted, then it doesn't have to end up in a massive performance. So it's pretty powerful. You know, and some people can take this too far and think that that means that you aren't teaching your kids skills of behaving in public and listening to their elders or like having manners. And that's not what I hear you at all saying. It's, it's still doing the the important work of parenting, building skills and um, raising them to be responsible citizens. But it's also this whole half of it, which is the freeing half for us as parents, is we do the best we can and then we accept. We accept them. And I think those two together is what you are teaching us um, makes all the difference. I mean, because otherwise we're just going to feel defeated all the time. Absolutely. And you know, if you think about it, Monica, there's never going to be one parenting style that everybody's going to agree with. We're always going to get judgment or we're always going to get those glances where people are, you know, giving us the eye, like we should be doing something different. And there's a lot of people, especially the older generation who really does feel really powerfully that we need to put our kids in their place that we need to show them who's boss and that we need to show them that they can't have those emotions. But the irony of that, and this is something that came from the work from Dr. Shafali, is that when we were little and when, when those parenting practices were in place, it taught us to ignore our emotions. It taught us to not accept or look inward for what our emotions were. So what that ended up doing is creating a generation of people who don't know how to work through their emotions. We don't know how to deal with disappointment ourselves. We don't know how to um, intentionally work through the really big emotions that we have. And so we are one of the most highly medicated and most, um, um, most amount of people who go to get mental health care Mm. in a really long time because of this practice of putting our kids in their place and not allowing their feelings to be heard. And so you're absolutely right. There will be people who will judge and who will say, oh, you need to do something about that. But the problem with that is that emotions happen whether they're visible or not. And the most dangerous emotions that happen are the ones that are not visible because that's where the damage comes. Wow. And the thing is accepting those emotions is doing something. Yes. Yes. The only way to deal with emotions is to work through them, not avoiding them or distracting them or appeasing them, but working through them. And that's not not always a pretty process. It's not for me. It's not for my kids. It's not for anybody. But it's that's where the, the power comes. Beautiful. Okay, so how else can, can, can we connect to these challenging kids? What can that really look like for a parent who is listening and and just struggles to find that connection when there's so much stress, (laughs) you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, I love, again, keeping things really simple. So one of the first things that I teach all my students is to connect one-on-one with your child every single day. Even if it's for two minutes, it really doesn't matter. Just to enter into their, their world, doing something that's meaningful for them and to show them that we are showing up to just support them. And when we start doing that, then we can build on that. And then we can start to um, have open conversations with them, which is something that's new for a lot of kids and a lot of parents. Um, Having open conversations about our sensory preferences, having open conversations 
conversations about our own weaknesses and the skills that we lack and the skills that we're learning. And then they can open up about the skills that they're learning as well. And then, for example, I just took a group of people through my membership community that I have. And this month talked all all about um, dealing with big feelings. And so we compared it to a balloon and we can put balloon in, you know, we can put air in a balloon and fill it up a little bit. And that's okay. It's kind of fun, right? But if we put too much air in it and if we do it too fast, it'll pop and it'll explode. And that's like how emotions are. It's okay to feel emotions, but we need to know how it feels to have our balloons stretched so that we know when we need to release some air a little bit. And sometimes so when we let a balloon go and we just let it fly all over the room, it makes this awful noise and it goes every which direction. And we're kind of like that when we release emotions too, when we're not intentional with it. So we can talk to our kids about that and putting it in really simple terms like that, saying, what fills your balloon with air and what can you do to let some of the air out? Those are things that we can have. Those are conversations that we can have with even little kids, and it really resonates with them. And I can't tell you the amount of moms that are in that group that have come to me and said, wow, Wendy, I just found out that my kid feels this way about this particular thing, and here's how we're going to resolve it. And they work on it together, and they talk about it together, and that's really powerful. So I think those open conversations and that connection time are really the first key ingredients to start turning things around. Oh, that's great. And I love how you're talking about starting so small. I mean, using your analogy, but in a different way. I mean, if you are trying to overwhelm your kid with connection out of nowhere, um, that <laughs> that's going to um, put too much air in a different kind of balloon there for them. And I think that's going to be pretty defeating for everybody involved. So just making it small. And I think that can build on on things that you then find you can both can connect together on. And um, I'm loving figuring that out for our kids. Like we talked about curiosity earlier, um, getting curious about how you can connect with your kids in a way that you both enjoy. That makes it a lot more fun um, and less stress and anxiety driven, I would say. Yeah. And it, like you were saying, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You know, it doesn't have to be a trip to Disneyland or anything extravagant. Just, you know, snuggling with your kid in bed for a couple extra minutes at night or telling a story or sitting by them on the couch while dinner is cooking and putting the phone away and turning the TV off and just having a conversation or whatever it is. You know, my, my husband sometimes likes to sit down and play video games with my oldest because that's really meaningful to my oldest. Yeah. So whatever it might be to enter into their world and say, Hey, I notice you and I appreciate you. That's where so much power comes from. Okay. This is wonderful. All right. My last question for you is just for those parents who have been so wrapped up in the stress of challenging children and trying so many different things, but just feeling defeated. And perhaps it's because they wrapped up their own worth in how their child is doing and their own security and their sense of self. So what can they do to be better in, in um, which is a word, probably more empowered to actually deal with these challenging children? What can they do on the, to work on themselves? I'm, I guess I'm saying to be able to better deal with these children. 
Yeah. Um, there are so many things and I love the way that you phrase that because you talked about working on ourselves. I think when we can come to a point where we can truly say, I am not a reflection of my child's behaviors and what can I learn from this situation that is, that is present for me? I think those are two really, um, really meaningful approach that we can take to it so that we don't get so wrapped up in the comparison. Because like you're saying, you know, I was talking to a group of women again the other day who were saying, we can't even go to the park because we feel like our kids are so horrible and we'll do so many things that are just out of the norm (laughs) that we Mm. get embarrassed and we feel so much judgment and so much shame. And even if the other moms aren't openly judging them, they feel that judgment. So in talking, we talked about the stories that they have behind that, that we all have stories behind all the emotions that we feel, right? And so the stories that we all carry when we do that are that, you know, our kids are a reflection of us. I was always taught that when when I was growing up, that if kids were bad, it was their parents' fault. And that's just absolutely true. We can never control another person's behavior. We can manipulate behavior worse or through authority and another person's behavior. And when we can really wrap our head around that, then that's when we can let go of that stress and that, um, that pressure of not only us performing, but also our kids performing. And that's when I let go of it and just say, okay, it is what it is. My child is going to show up as they're going to show up. And sometimes it's not going to be pretty, but that's okay. Because I know in the long term, this is for our best. It's just uh, sitting strong in what you know you are doing, holding firm to what you know, what work you're putting in, what uh, connection you are building, what acceptance you are putting in place, what skill building um preparations, like all of those roots we talked about. It's holding firm to that and being strong enough to know that these these children, as much as we love them and, and want them to do well, they, in the end, they, they are who they are. And that love and acceptance of them, I think, will go f- so much further than blaming them and getting resentful of them and being ashamed of them. So I'm so glad you were here to teach us these very important things. I will be sure to link to all of your resources, your courses, and where you are on social media for people who are interested in following you. Wendy, I was wondering if you could answer my final question. And sometimes I don't ask this to like specific experts that come on, but I just think it'd be great to hear from you. What have you learned from your, um, what have you learned about yourself the past few years? Oh my gosh, so much, so much. So I think if I were to sum it up in just a few things, it'd be that I am imperfect and that's okay. Um, really embracing just really what your are is all about, Monica, really embracing that life is a journey and that there really is no perfection in it. And the more I can let go of that perfection, the easier my life will be. Another thing that I think I've really learned is that a friend of mine once told me that we're always trying to find the balance. And if we do that, we'll constantly be searching. But Hmm. if we can turn it around and create the balance for ourselves, that's where we can really find peace and joy. And I found that really true in my life. You know, when I was trying to keep up with keeping my kids looking cute and looking perfect and 
showing up perfect and behaving perfect. That was the balance that I was trying to chase all the time. And it was a constantly a chase. But when I started getting a balance that said, I don't need to show up looking any certain way. My kids don't need to show up looking any certain way. What matters most is the balance that I'm creating is that my kids feel supported and loved and accepted. And as long as I can create that balance and stay within that balance, which I don't don't always do perfectly. <laughs> That's where I can feel the most peace. So I think those those two things, just accepting my imperfections and creating my own balance, those would probably be the biggest things that I learned about myself. Fabulous. All right, Wendy, you are incredible. I'm so glad that you were on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is such an honor to be here. I love listening to the episodes that you have. I've learned so much from both you and from your guests, and it's amazing. Oh, I guarantee I have learned more than anybody. (laughs) I really enjoyed getting to know Wendy. And like I said, I am on her show too. It's brand new. It is fantastic. It is all about how to parent intentionally these kids who really need exceptional parenting. So I actually am Wendy's podcast coach too. This happened after our interview together here and she was launching her own podcast and I was able to guide her through it. It is one of those shows that I know I am going to listen to every single week. I really enjoyed getting to know Wendy through this interview and getting to work with her too. And I can tell you that she really is exceptional herself and can help take your parenting to the next level it needs to be. If you are interested in being consulted by me for podcasting, you can reach out to me at packerprogress at gmail.com. And I also have more information on my website. Just click on services and then podcast consultation and you can learn more. Before I leave you today, I wanted to share something I shared on Instagram. It was about a review I had that kind of broke my heart. Now, it's a negative review, which I have never shared on the show um, because I don't have very many, but it's not my first, but it was definitely my most personal. I'm not going to quote the whole thing, um, but I will say part of what really stood out to me in that uh, review, she said that... Uh, my life story, meaning me, Monica, was not at all compelling. Then she said, recovering perfectionist, not many people are interested in this topic. That's okay. If she's not interested in it, that's fine. I'm very happy that she doesn't need to talk about how the struggle to measure up constantly or getting lost in perfectionism or procrastination or getting lost in general isn't applicable to her. So that's a good thing. But what I was hoping I could share with you is a little push to leave me a review. If you have enjoyed the show in any capacity, I need to hear your voice. What do you like about the show? What do you want to hear more of? What has impacted you in a way you needed? I asked for this, yes, because more ratings and reviews are helpful for the show in general. But even bigger than that, I am making huge changes for the new year. This show is going to be very different and I need to know how I can better serve you. I'm doing this at the end of an episode, so I'm not sure how many of you stick around till the end, but if you stick around and you're hearing this and you want to speak up in a way that's different than that voice and share with me what you need more of, I would be so appreciative so that I can do even a better job of helping you 
and shifting this podcast in a way that's going to benefit those who do stick around and want this content. For those of you who have already done so, I am so grateful. Thank you. I read every single one and I learn from them. I have grown a lot as a podcaster and it's because of people who have been patient and who have shared with me what they've needed and what they've liked and maybe even what they didn't like and have helped me grow. You guys are all wonderful. I'm really grateful to be here. I'll see you next week for another great show. And this is going to be a big one. It's my faith crisis episode that I have spent a few months working on. I hope you tune into that. And until then, remember life is about progress, not perfection. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.